Hello and welcome to Ever the Optimist, a podcast where we discuss the news of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Eric, who you can find at wyethdigital.com slash optimist. That's W-Y-E-T-H-D-I-G-I-T-A-L dot com slash optimist. You can also like Ever the Optimist on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. Uh, optimistically speaking, anyway, I haven't set it up yet, but I will. I'm on Facebook, though. As always, you can find links and discussions of show topics in our show notes at www.wyethdigital.com optimist. Coming up on our future fails segment, we look at some rather bizarre technology predictions for our present and attach some surprising names and sources to them. Question of the Week from the bbc.com our first our question of the week doctors have grown a functioning rat kidney in a lab yeah i know huh anyway like the rats need any more help anyway its effectiveness is only five percent of a natural kidney once it's been implanted so clearly there are still breakthroughs to be made but it only seems a matter of time before a human kidney or another organ is grown and transplanted so the question is would you feel comfortable using lab-grown organs to replace failing ones? And the bonus question, do we need to worry about engineering similar to that in Blade Runner and as biologically engineered replicants? I don't know. Pretty soon, you know, organs. What's to stop us from going human? Anyway, that'd be a long time off, and hopefully scientific ethics would kick in, but you never, never know. Future deck. I have gotta find a different computer voice for the future tech segment that just does not sound appropriate anyway uh the future tech uh popular mechanic uh, mechanics excuse me explores the history and reasoning behind last last sewing an asteroid and how it might work and why we might do it um it's kind of a fascinating topic. They pretty much pose it in the form of four questions. Um, basically, why lasso an asteroid? And basically, the answer involves politics and money. Uh, the moon is just three days away and offers valuable resources. Um, but the White House canceled NASA's Constellation program and its plan to return to the moon in 2010. Um, at this point, there's no chance the Obama administration will reverse course and adopt the Bush administration goal. So NASA had to find another nearby destination for future exploration, and capturing an asteroid uh, seemed about seemed to be the the near-term solution. They can get astronauts there on a month-long mission by early 2020s, and given current budgets, the asteroid mission is the only realistic astronaut destination NASA can reach before 2025. A uh, second attractive feature of the asteroid capture concept is that it could be the first step toward establishing a commercial enterprise in deep space, um, and one that lower, promises to lower the cost of space exploration by using energy and raw materials from the sun, asteroids, and the moon. There are a couple of space mining firms that have announced plans to prospect asteroids for water and valuable metals, and the NASA mission will deliver a target for prospecting and man mining tests just beyond the moon and inviting a public-private partnership to develop this industry. And does this mean NASA will ignore the moon? Um, not exactly. Um, we're still studying it. We're still looking at plans to go there, but you never know. Um, another benefit of asteroid retrieval is that um, 
It would provide the first demonstration of how to deflect a rogue asteroid to change its orbit and make it miss the Earth. NASA would be gaining valuable experience in protecting the home planet from a catastrophic asteroid impact down the road. Do you think it's worth it? The money, the cost, um, the potential danger? Because let's face it, there will be danger involved. Anytime you're moving something that weighs, you know, millions of tons, you know, um, and landing on it or breaking it up to 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 get the minerals out of it, you know, what what is that? What exactly is the danger to us on the home planet? And what is the danger to? Oh, I don't know. Um, the astronauts themselves. <laughs> Future fail. In this week's Future Fail segment, we're going to be taking a look at technology predictions from the past that failed to meet their mark today. Uh, we're going to hit up listfirst.com. They've compiled a list of 30 technology predictions that missed the mark. I've picked five of my favorites in no particular order from the list first list. So let's, uh, I think we're going to do things a little differently. I'm going to read the quote, uh, but I'm not going to attribute the source, but I will give you a hint by giving you the year that the quotation comes from. And you can either research or you can find the answer at the blog, wyethdigital.com slash optimist, along with a link to the listverse.com list. So, with no further ado, let's go with uh, my, my first quote, number one. A rocket will never be able to leave the Earth's atmosphere. And the hint, the year 1936. Number two. There is not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. It would mean that the atom would have to be shattered at will. And the hint, the year 1932. Uh, number three on my list of listverses.com list is the Americans have need of the telephone, but we do not. We have plenty of messenger boys. And the year of that quote, 1878. That's 1878. Number four on my list Home taping is killing music. Hmm. Yeah, try and figure out that source. Anyway, um, the year, the 1980s. No specific year is given, but the 1980s. And I guess that would make sense with the uh, home taping reference. All right, number five on my list, and this one's a doozy. Okay, nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality in 10 years. The hint, 1955. The year 1955. Now, I don't know about you, but my Hoover certainly isn't nuclear-powered yet. Maybe those Dyson ones are. I don't know. But mine's just a Hoover, and it is certainly not nuclear-powered. I wish it was. Anyway, um, you can check out the full list at listverse.com. I have a, list, a link on the blog, and you can also get the attributions to the quotes that I've just read. And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to be a little bit surprised. Glass half full. From USA Today, NASA discovers three Earth-like planets orbiting nearby stars. Quote, This appears to be the best example our team has found yet of Earth-like planets in the habitable zone of a sun-like star. End quote. Said team astrophysicist Alan Boss of the Carnegie Institution for Science in Washington. 
Uh, one of the two stars sporting habitable Goldilocks worlds is Kepler-62 and is relatively close by at about 1,200 light years away or 708,000 trillion miles. Sure, it'd be a bit of a walk to borrow a cup of sugar, but isn't it nice to know we have some neighbors nearby? Class half empty. I try to have a lot of fun with our look ahead into the future, even in the glass half empty segment. But a story in The Guardian about a stowaway hiding in the landing gear compartment of a jetliner left me rather depressed. In a nutshell, the story goes like this. Jose Matata stowed away in the landing gear compartment of a jetliner in Luanda, Angola for a 12-hour flight from the Atlantic coast of Southern Africa to London's Heathrow Airport. The coroner testified that due to Jose's youth and strength, he probably survived most of his trip in the depressurized compartment, but because of extreme cold and lack of oxygen, was either dead or near death when he plummeted from the jet when the landing gear were deployed. Investigating authorities only identified Mr. Matata through a SIM card for a mobile phone indicating texts to a former Anglo-Swiss employer. The former employer ID'd Jose but did not know any other family but believed he was originally from Mozambique. The Mozambican High Council said newspaper and radio ads were circulated seeking out his family but no one has ever come forward. So here was this kid desperate for a new life with seemingly few ties and no family, willing to risk almost certain death for a fresh beginning. Instead, taking up space in the newspapers and on the internet as an oddity for the way he perished. A news of the weird segment with no one to mourn him or to honor his life and his aspirations for a better one. As our world's politics become more unstable and as austerity measures become more unsustainable, as our resources dwindle, refugees like Jose will continue to take desperate chances to find peace and a small amount of stability to call their own. Unlike Jose and a few others who attempt their goals in a spectacular fashion, most will continue to live lives of quiet desperation, chattel to the whims of tyrants, despots, and starvation. So I single out Mr. Jose Matata, also known as Yusup, who died on his 26th birthday with a few pieces of change and a single pound coin in his pocket for posthumous recognition. Not for how he died, but for how he would have lived. Thanks for listening, and please check out my rather eclectic website, wyethdigital.com optimist, for show notes and links to the articles I've cited. Like my Facebook page and optimistically follow me on Twitter because that thing will be set up one of these days. Anyway, this is Eric and I'm Ever the Optimist.